Hello and welcome to the Green Canary. Today on the show, we're going to be talking about the election. Oh no, really? There's an election on? Haven't you heard? Yes, there's an election. It's almost upon us, thank God. But is there change in the political wind? That's the key question. Well, don't know if we can answer that, but we can tell you that there is change in Australia's wind generation capacity. And we'll have a chat about that a little later on. We're also going to run through the uh, reef bleaching story this week that we briefly warned you was coming last week. There's plenty more on the pod this week. I'm Ant Sharwood, and it is normally at this time that I'd throw to someone much more electable than myself. Some might even say more delectable than myself. I speak, of course, of Elfie Scott. Elfie is not here again this week. I do apologise, but she's finishing a massive project. going to be amazing when her book is finally finished. Give her strength. She's literally on the last few pages. So the banter between us will not be here. There'll be no banter. There'll sort of just be, I guess, anter, as in, uh, you know, interactions between you, the listener, and I. And listen, speaking of listeners, uh, we had more than ever before this week. So thank you all so much for tuning in, for becoming Green Canary regulars. And also, speaking of ants, not myself, but ants generally, I forgot to mention, there we have a massive problem with a type of ants in this country, and we're going to have a little chat to someone about that later in the show as well. But first of all, I did mention there's an election on. Yes, you may be aware of that. And this is actually our last podcast before the May 21 federal election. So we've got to get in and talk about the election. And look, there's something that newspapers do on election day, on the Saturday. Uh, They all sort of editorialise. They endorse a candidate. It's an old tradition in the Australian media. Uh, Newspapers that sort of, some pretend, some don't even bother to pretend, but there's always this sort of veneer of, oh, we're independent and let you decide for yourself, even though, as I say, uh, that's not always necessarily the case. But on election day, they break that veneer and they go, right, this is who you should vote for. So we are a new media brand. We are the Green Canary and we are going to tell you who to vote for too. We're going to do what the newspapers do. But with a bit of a twist, I'm not actually going to tell you today which party to vote for, which candidate to vote for. That is absolutely your business. But I'm going to tell you who you should vote for anyway. Here it comes. Drum roll. It's so obvious. Vote for climate. Absolutely vote for the candidate that you think, or the party, or both, that you think can do the best job on serious contributions from Australia towards the mitigation of climate change and, of course, uh, the candidate or party that can pave the way towards a green future, towards a vibrant, humming economy built partially, perhaps largely, around renewable energy and other resources like that. Now, that might lead a lot of people to think, oh, well, obviously the Greens. No, I'm not talking about the Greens. I'm not talking about Labor. I'm not talking about the Teals. I'm not talking about the Coalition. I'm not talking about any particular party. It is obviously the case that parties like the Greens, you know, there was a study last week that, that showed if the Greens policy were, policies were to become national policy, we'd have warming that stays more or less around the 1.5 of the Paris Agreement, 1.5 degrees. Uh, if we were to go full coalition, we'd be more or less heading towards the surface of Mars 
walk down the street, hold out your hand and fry an egg on it. So, so that may have been exaggerated one way or the other. But look, there are reasons to vote uh, from a climate perspective for, for nearly every party. Um, you can you can vote you can be prag- you can vote for the Greens. Go and vote for the Greens. Good for you. You can vote for your lo- local teal candidate if you have one. They have specific climate policies. Most of them are stronger than that put forward by the Labor Party. Good for you. Vote for them. You can vote Labor because they do have, for example, a forty three percent renewables target by 2020, as opposed to the coalition's 26 to 28%. So you might make a pragmatic vote and vote for the Labor Party um, on that front. You may even, in certain seats, vote for the coalition. Um, You know, there's been some things written. One of them was a pretty inflammatory column that a lot of you would have, if not read, then heard about from Joe Hildebrand, the former News Corp or the News Corp columnist, former full-time News Corp journo. and he wrote, actually, if you live in Josh Frydenberg's seat and you vote for Labor, you should actually vote for Frydenberg, which uh, would keep a moderate Liberal there. So should the Liberal Party lose the election or the Coalition lose the election, at least they'll still have a reasonably moderate leader. Uh, that was a debate that Zali Stegall absolutely um, destroyed with one tweet. Uh, she said, yeah, have a look at how Frydenberg has voted on all the uh, important sort of climate and other related bills. So um, nonetheless, there may be a reason in your seat where to vote Liberal does something that enables something that's good for the climate or for industries that help us mitigate the effects of a warming world. That is your decision. I just think Australians like never before, never, ever, ever before need to vote with their climate goggles on this election. I speak for the entire Green Green Canary team when I say that. Um, We said very early in this campaign that it's a this election is no ordinary election. It's a, it's a referendum on climate. It hasn't quite turned out to be that, but neither was it necessarily a negative, although we're coming to one or two. Um, a negative campaign on climate, as it definitely was last time. But vote vote hard, vote for climate, have a sausage afterwards. If the sausage uh, was produced by a herd of cattle that uh, in some ways didn't harm the environment and produce too many greenhouse gases... Even better. Anyway, look, that is our last word, editorially speaking. Um, But let's just move on to a little bit of election news while we're talking about the election. Dirty campaign. Yeah, it's been a dirty campaign. We've documented that in our newsletter as well. How about today's news? The group Advance Australia. Now, Advance Australia are sort of the political or polar opposite of Get Up. They were actually formed to, to, to be a get-up on the other side of politics, uh, to agitate for the sort of opposite of the sort of stuff that get-up tends to agitate for. Anyway, they put up some placards in which um, the would-be ACT Senator David Pocock, a man very well known for being the captain of the National Rugby Union team, the Wallabies, a man also well known for his environmental activism and advocacy, Interviewed him once. He's, he did amazing work up in um, South Africa with with protecting rhino habitat and more. Um, anyway, David David Pocock is running for senator on a largely green uh, platform. He uh, placards were put up by Advance Australia of Pocock and also of Zali Stegall, 
with their sort of chest pulled back, revealing a T-shirt and that kind of Superman style where, the, where you see the S. Um, but there wasn't an S there. There was a Greens logo there, suggesting they were members of the Greens, which they are not, which is a dirty tactic, saying, a, a, you know, uh, a vote for these uh, independent people is actually a vote for the Greens. This is naughty, and the AEC, the Australian Electric... <laughs> Electric Electoral Commission came out today and said exactly that. They said, naughty, naughty. They actually ruled it was an offence to publish. Uh, I'm quoting here, permit or authorise to be published during the relevant period, i.e. now an election campaign. Uh, any matter or thing that is likely to mislead or deceive an elector, blah, blah, blah. So that's what's happened. Advanced Australia has said they will take it down, them down, Um so that's good. In other dirty politics news, look, I don't know if you saw it, but it's worth Googling. It's a good laugh. Uh, Vicky Campion, a former journalist, a political staffer, also, uh, of course, happens to be Barnaby Joyce's partner. Um, she wrote a column in, in, in the News Corp papers this week that high-paying bush jobs will disappear under Labor. She said the six-figure salaries enjoyed by engineers and tradies in the mines will disappear under Labor's plans to transition to a net zero economy. So this was about as close as we got this time. I just mentioned a minute ago that it hasn't quite been as dirty as last time, but there have certainly been outbreaks of dirty pool. Um, and this was about as close as we got. You know, last time they said they were coming, uh, the coalition uh, and, and, and commentators uh, sort of batting for them, said that Labor was coming for your utes and your weekends, I think, you know, Angus Taylor said some of that directly. Uh, now they're coming for your pay packet, says Vicky Campion. Um, yeah, look, it, as I said at the start, the sooner the election is over, the sooner it's over and the better for all of us. Okay, one more election-y thing. Now, it, this is about the floods, the floods in Queensland. Why are floods an election thing? Well, I'll tell you. Um, we have had really bad floods, as everybody knows, pretty much all year and a lot last year as well. Two back-to-back La Ninas. La Ninas always make rain, always make extra moisture, and especially on eastern, in eastern Australia. But they've been particularly severe over the last two years with devastating floods. We interviewed uh, a Lismore flood survivor, um, Eddie Lloyd, on this podcast five or six or seven weeks ago. Um, she is very, very upset about what's happened to her town. She absolutely links it to climate change, as do all the scientists. Of course, we've always had floods, but the worse they get, the more frequent they get. That's what's been happening. So last week, we had yet more floods in Queensland, up and down the coast, from Townsville all the way down to the Gold Coast, uh, virtually the entire length of the Queensland coastline. Um, May rainfall records were broken in far too many locations to mention. Now, why is this an election story? It's a weather story. Well, here's the thing. In the last uh, three years, you know, weather used to be that thing they chucked at the end of the bulletin. You used to go news, sport, weather. It was almost, um, you know, a throwaway. But we all talk about weather every day anyway. Weather has always been more prominent in our imagination than, than perhaps news and sports, especially at certain times. But weather has never been an election issue. I think weather in the last three years is the mystery guest on the election scene. It is the new player in the election cycle. Think about it. The black summer, the hottest summer on record, the hottest and driest summer on record in Australia and the worst and most widespread bushfires. 
the floods again we've always had floods but these were more widespread and more frequent there have been too many to count in the last two years almost everyone you know is a victim or knows a victim of these events um I myself was a victim, helicoptered out of harm's way uh, from, from a fire that burnt a third of the largest national park in New South Wales, Kosciuszko. On the same day, uh, I was doing that hike. My wife was down the south, south coast in a house, uh, staying in someone's little timber A-frame on the beach. It burnt down. Um, it was horrific. Uh, she, she still has nightmares. Uh, she was on the, the, the beach for two nights sheltering out, out of harm's way with, with our son and our dog. Um, we're lucky this was not our property uh other australians aren't so weren't so lucky and and we know this is happening more and more we know that these events are more in, intense and more frequent due to climate change we're angry about that as a people and i think a lot of people want to vote about it as i said a few minutes ago um so the weather last week's floods and pretty much all the weather nearly every week going back three years since the last election uh, the weather is one of the biggest election issues in town. But there's one other tiny little election issue. This isn't going to win anyone the issue, the, the election, although it's happening in some key seats in North Queensland. Most of them are Liberal National Party held seats, but they're the sort of seats that, that Labor considers the window open. Perhaps that is why um, in the seat of Herbert, uh, just outside Townsville, Anthony Albanese this week announced a $24 million commitment to eradicate yellow crazy ants. Now, yellow crazy ants, you might not have heard of them, but they are a terrible, terrible scourge. They were imported from West Africa accidentally on shipping containers. Um, they've been a problem in Christmas Island for a while. They wiped out a huge portion of that island's famous red crab population. The red crabs had no predators. Then came the yellow crazy ants. They're really, really, really small ants. They're smaller than most ants, um, but they swarm en masse. They form super colonies. And these colonies have been forming outside Townsville and at other locations up and down the Queensland coast. They can destroy forests. They can absolutely wipe out, even to the point of extinction, native animals, frogs, little birds, lizards. They are an absolute disaster. They invade people's houses. They spray acid in your eyes. Oh, lovely. Thank you, yellow crazy ants. Um, so I just thought, election, 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 election. Just have a break. Speak to a guy who knows more about crazy ants. Let's hear from James Trezice of the Invasive Species Council. James Trezice is the Conservation Director at the Invasive Species Council. He knows a lot about uh, crazy ants, yellow crazy ants. He's actually been up to North Queensland and had a look at the little buggers for himself. How are you, James, and what did you see? Hey, Ant, thanks for having me. Oh, look, um, yeah, we're up in Townsville recently, and there are six infestations up there, and they're crawling all through um, people's homes, people's sheds, and they're getting really close to some critically important environmental areas. Actually, if I was to say it's it's probably one of the most imminent extinction risks that I've come across in my career. Now, um, these ants, they're, they're one of the world's worst invasive species. They, they'll turn a forest silent. And so um, it's a pretty critical issue in Townsville. There's a control program up in Cairns, but yeah, we really need to get on top of it in Townsville. So there are six different infestations, as you say. Um, you know, 
do you just kind of stumble across them or do you have to know where to go? And, and when you do find some, what do you see? Is the ground literally crawling or you tell me, what do you see? You have to look pretty hard. And so we've got um, a team member up there whose job it is to go out and work with the community to teach them how to lay bait um, traps or lures. Uh, and they're little sticky traps that they go out and survey. And you can imagine there's a lot of different ants that crawl onto those traps. And so she also has to educate people about uh, what yellow crazy ants look like. When you do find them, um, as the name suggests, they're crazy. And most ants go crazy, but um, these critters, they're, they're, they're not as big as probably most people expect, but they've got really long antennae that look quite different to uh, a native ant or most native ants. Um, and they, uh, they go mental when disturbed. Wow. So when you say they go mental and, and indeed when you say they actually are crazy, just describe the behaviour for me. Well, yeah. So um, the way to think about it is uh, they will just be crawling everywhere and they'll crawl up everything. They'll crawl up your legs. And, you know, I was lying in a patch of them trying to get some good photos as you do. Um, look, they, they can give you mild burns on your skin because um, they spray formic acid. But what they really do is they'll devastate small uh, animals. So anything kind of smaller than a um, playing card, um, they'll take that out and um, take it back to the super colony. And, and the thing with that tropical climate, the dry tropics, wet tropics, is that they can form super colonies up there. So unlike other ant species, almost any ant in um, a yellow crazy ant colony can become a queen. And that's what makes them such an effective invasive species. And so in one log, there's a great example. The CSRO were doing a survey and um, they stopped counting after they got um, past a thousand queens. That is... Uh... A lot of ants, a lot of very crazy yellow ants. And look, I mentioned that uh, the Labor Party has committed 24, bu uh, 24 bucks, $24 million uh, should they be elected um, to fighting that problem up there. Uh, there has uh, been no as yet match or alternative pledge uh, from the coalition. So, but it's a massive problem. People up there are really, really worried about it. And there are people who, you know, won't let their kids play in their backyards. It's a, it's, a, it's a massive issue. It's not good. And, you know, the fact that they actually squirt acid. Um, there was one guy in particular, he woke up in the middle of the night. Um, as you do, you open your eyes when you woke up. Acid, ants squirted acid in his eye, nearly lost his eyesight. It's a problem. Anyway, let's move on. Let's let's just uh, transition to mulch our little bits and pieces at the end. Just want to go over quickly as our first item, the reef report. We mentioned this last week. We said there was a report. It was the just the uh, you know the reef summer snapshot, which comes out each year. It had been delayed because the government was in election mode um, or caretaker mode, as it's called. There was some sort of suggestion that. Maybe it wasn't such good news and the government wanted it suppressed. Uh, we can uh, say nothing further about that because it was just a rumour. Nonetheless, it was interesting that after that rumour surfaced, the next day, uh, about six hours after we published our podcast, out comes the report. We're not sitting on anything, is perhaps what happened. Anyway, the report comes out. It wasn't good. Uh, now, I should say that it was wrongly reported in a couple of areas that 91% of the reef bleached. Incorrect. 91% of the reef areas that were surveyed is what bleached they surveyed oh roughly a quarter of the of the reef now that doesn't mean there weren't other areas outside of that that bleached uh, and that didn't bleach anyway it's a disastrous bleaching the stats don't matter 
right? A vast area of the reef has bleached. Uh, went looking on Facebook for more information, found uh, reef bleach deniers groups out there, knew there was climate deniers, didn't know these people existed. Not a uh, fun evening was spent between me and them bantering. I don't know why I've fallen in that trap on Facebook. Anyway, that's what happened. But very bad news. It's the sixth bleaching event on the reef since 1998. And the reef summer snapshot 2021 slash 2022. It's linked to in our newsletter last week. And you can just go and Google it. You can find it. Anyway, some better news. Wind. Wind. We told you there would be some wind farm news and construction has just begun on Australia's first gigawatt scale wind project. Yes, a gigawatt. And, you know, how much is a gigawatt? Well, one gigawatt is is, is probably more or less triple the entire wind generation capacity of, of Australia in the Pacific region, I believe. I mean, when you look over in Europe and in North America, you're looking at 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 gigawatts total capacity by continent. But um, look, we will have our first gigawatt scale pro- project. It's the McIntyre complex. It's in southwest Queensland. It's being built. It'll be up within a couple of years. Uh, our, our current biggest one is Stockyard Hill in Victoria, which is about, uh, well, it's being built as well. Um, it's about half a gigawatt. So how much is a gigawatt going to produce in real terms? Something like powering 700,000 homes where it's energy to be transferred directly in that direction uh, or removing about 3 million tonnes of CO2 from the atmosphere. So that is some good news. Now some bad news. Um, An amazing report in the SMH. Uh, Actually, it was in the Age newspaper. They're they're all sort of the same when you read them online these days. But... but, um, uh, seabirds. Uh, researchers have done a study. It's lasting 15 years now. It's the longest continually running seabird study. Uh, this one is on Lord Howe Island, which of course is off the New South Wales coast. I think Lord Howe's about level with Port Macquarie. So it's certainly subtropical, but it's it's got its own little environment. Uh, seabirds out there, not good. Full of plastic. Absolutely full of plastic. Um one bird that they found, a dead shearwater, which is normal. It didn't die because of the plastic. It well, probably died with it, possibly because of it. It had 200 pieces of plastic inside it, um, which is too much. Uh, birds mistake little bits of plastics for squid. There's a hundred reasons why they ingest them. Often they don't mean to ingest them. It's a terrible uh, problem. And I think once we get past the big picture stuff, um, well, we'll never get past it. But when we have a moment beyond the big picture, climate, renewables, that sort of stuff, plastics, I believe, should be one of the environmental issues we're almost dedicated to doing our part, small though it may be, uh, to, to, to making a difference with. But look, we promised you on the Green Canary recently when Elfie and I were talking, no more sad animal stories without a happy animal story. We would like to end on a happy animal note. And there are people doing out there doing good things. Came across my desk this week that researchers from the University of New South Wales are doing something with pygmy possums. Now, pygmy possums are the little animals that live in the snowy mountains and they have all sorts of climate-related problems. One of the biggest ones is as snowpack declines, they lose their winter insulating blanket. That's right. They need snow to keep warm because the snow stops the cold winds of winter and the frost at night from permeating into their burrows, which they usually make in sort of rock fields. Anyway, these UNSW researchers are taking the pygmy possums 
to a totally different area near Lithgow, sort of a forest environment at the foot of the Blue Mountains on the western side. And it's going pretty well so far. So climate is changing. They've got a pretty radical idea. They're thinking, let's change the whole habitat of a species and see what happens. That is not to say they're abandoning uh, work on saving the pygmy possums in the Snowy Mountains and the Victorian Alps. They're just trying them elsewhere, and it's going pretty well so far. So we'll keep you posted on that, but I think that's a bit of good news. And it's good to end on some good news, and that'll do us for next week. And we will talk to you next week when we have uh, a whole new political environment, no matter what shape or form that takes. But before we do depart, I just want to say that this podcast is brought to you on the land which was never ceded. Uh, by the Gadigal people of the Eora Nations. So we pay our respects to them and to Elders past, present and emerging. Also just want to remind you as ever about our newsletter, hello at thegreencanary.co and I will put you on the newsletter. We have several hundred subscribers, approaching a thousand actually, and that is absolutely wonderful. So it's great to hear from you all. Um, don't forget you can chat to us on Twitter. We've got about 50 new followers again this week. Hello to everybody. We are at Green Canary Pod there and we are at Green Canary Media on Instagram. That is about it for today. I will talk to you after the election. Have a great week. Vote hard. Bye.